time is going to be your friend and consistency is also important and combine time and consistency of investments is what is going to give you that major exponential growth curve which is what is going to be deflation Welcome to the show of India Book Podcast. India Book is a podcast that uses literature as a lever to bring up multiple fields of interest. This is a perfect podcast for you if you are a bibliophile looking for your next read, or if you are a trivia junkie who is interested in learning more about things. It's also perfect for you if you are just interested in learning more about India as a nation. Every episode focuses on the different themes. by our conversation between the host and the celebrated author that we have on the show i am ayushi mona your host on india book primer on money and investing is a book by mt raghunath this book is for you if you're the kind of person who asks a lot of why questions why did humans invent money Why do we need to pay interest when we borrow money? Why are so many people trying to sell me insurance-linked investments? Why do experts suggest investing in stocks when prices swing all over the place? Why are so many people investing in cryptocurrency? This book will help you understand several basic concepts and provide you a framework to reason from first principles so that you can ask and answer such questions on your own. everyone thank you for tuning into another episode of india booked i am ayushi mona on this podcast we lean into the idea of india through books written by either indian authors or books that talk about india in various forms and shapes up till now we've never had an episode where we've spoken about personal finance so today is a very special episode because i have with me mtr who's written a primer on money and investing this is a very very interesting book for me because for the first time on the podcast while personal finance and learning more about personal finance has always been a passion most of the books that we've covered on the podcast have been around different aspects of india from a socio cultural ethnographic lens um mtr uh, was formerly the chief architect at inmobi where he was leading efforts on user understanding and ad relevance before that he spent over 9 years with google driving various emerging market engineering efforts and before google he worked on massively parallel supercomputing systems at ibm this is um, a book by mtr that was born out of his own foray into teaching his children finance um, so looking forward to pr- pretty much put, putting on the learning hat in this episode mtr and learning more from you about this book welcome to the show thank you very much aishi uh, really happy to be on the podcast uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk about the book Super so, so India. The first uh, thing that I have to actually ask you about the book is right that the, your book subtitle is that these are fundamental concepts and first principles um, around understanding money and investing. 
what personally drives you um uh, you know that more people know about these concepts and first principles because a lot of people are learners uh, but they don't really want to either share that information or put in the effort to do so and why was it important for you to really compile this as you've called it a primer on money and investing yeah so uh, uh, there is a lot of information about money there's a lot of information about hey you know you can get rich quick by doing this you can invest here you can invest there you can do this you can do that uh, and there is a lot of noise and there is also a lot of paid promotion you know where there are people hawking different kinds of investment products uh, they want you to go buy that now the way to cut through all of this is to ask a whole lot of questions and really understand things at a very uh, basic level so you have to understand the basics and then you can ask a lot of questions you know does this really make sense how exactly does this work why will this grow why will this make money so you have to ask a lot of why questions and you have to have certain basics in place so that you can understand the answers to those questions and then make decisions for yourself so the reason i wrote the book is i wanted people to ask those questions and not get swayed by something that somebody tells them and this is something i saw a lot uh, among the people who are in my kids generation my two sons are just now getting into uh, their earning years they have graduated uh, with their bachelors and then they are starting to earn some money and they and their peers there's a lot of misinformation there's a lot of stuff that they are picking up on youtube or influencers or uh, uh, instagram or whatever and then they were asking me hey does this make sense you know i heard about this does this make sense so i said well you know uh, you have to really understand the basics so once you understand the basics you don't actually have to ask that question you can figure it out for yourself and we started a whole bunch of conversations i started writing things down and then it sort of then turned into a book wonderful and i think um, at the introduction into the book for people listening to the podcast the, you've shared your own journey with money right in 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 terms of you know when you were writing um this uh, how you got introduced to concepts related to money whether it was during your btech or how you know your the fact that your wife was uh, you know enrolling in an mba program you had access to her books on finance and you've personally followed a lot of uh, you know sources and bloggers and personalities who've been writing about it but what i found very interesting was that some of the concepts that you discuss in the book actually come from the field of complexity theory in computer science and very often there is a tendency right for um for a lot of these uh, you know information sources that could be misguiding people or presenting information in a particular way to dumb things down as much as possible so how do you pick up something which is essentially the power of exponential functions right and and put that into a primer uh, and how do you tie in your general curiosity towards this field with your cs education yeah so uh, i guess complexity theory there's a lot of stuff in computer science we actually don't have to go that deep into it at all um the information the thing that you really need to know is uh, exponential functions and this is something that we learn even in uh, school right we learn uh, compound interest 
So compound interest is the same thing as an exponential function. It's just that, you know, when we study complexity theory in computer science, uh, this is something we spend a lot of time on. Um, and the reason is that exponential functions have this kind of property where they can pretty much outrun uh, all other types of uh, functions, which we typically think of as polynomial functions. I mean, this is a little bit more detailed. I don't think we really need to get into that. I mean, computer scientists study this all the time. So that's, I just made a reference to that. But uh, for a general audience, the only thing that they really need to understand is the compound interest formula. And the, that the fact that the compound interest formula can basically outrun a lot of things given sufficient time, right? That is the key observation. The other key observation is that inflation also is on a compound interest formula, is also on an exponential curve. So you actually have to do something to tackle inflation, which is on an exponential curve, right? So if you don't understand exponentiation, if you don't understand exponential curves, inflation is basically going to eat your lunch. And that is the uh, key thing, that key takeaway that I want anybody who either reads the book or does not read the book to actually <laughs> figure out, right? Inflation is exponential. And so whatever you do in terms of investing, you have to use exponential to tackle that. Also, one of the things that, you know, you mentioned in right at the introduction in the book is the fact that um, for a lot of uh, people, right, in terms, they think that a book on personal finance has to be prescriptive, right? So very often when early stage people right who are just getting into their initial financial journey they want a book that answers it all or they want a or they want a youtube financial influencer to tell them which stocks to buy uh, but you've said that the goal is not to really give detailed investment advice or guide people on personal finance it's, it's basically to help people construct their own roadmap um what in terms of you know, your interactions with, uh, you know, your intended audience really brought you to this realization of separating a very prescriptive form of guidance to saying that, hey, do your home own homework, but at least know all of this. Yeah, so I'll sort of let me tell you about my journey a little bit, right? So, uh, see, we don't really learn anything about uh, finance in school or college at all. Um, so even though I went to IIT, I got a B.Tech in computer science, and then I went on to do a master's and PhD in computer science, there was really nothing that I ever learned about uh, money or money management. So when I started working uh, initially, you know, I got like a whole bunch of forms to fill. I say, hey, do you want to invest in this? What do you want to do about your retirement? Do you want to put money into this or that? Do you want to buy employee stocks? Uh, all this kind of whole bunch of forms and I had no clue whatsoever. And so at that point, I basically went and asked a few of my colleagues who were a little bit older than me and said, hey, you know, I've got all these forms. So what do I do? And they said, okay, fill this number, sign it, sign this here, sign that there. So I just did that and then I, I moved on. And that is, I think, very typical of the experience of a lot of people who are just getting into the workforce. It's not uncommon when I had the exact same thing. And the other thing that happened during this period was, you know, 
there were a few people who came and told me hey you know you should invest in this you should buy this particular kind of uh, insurance plan or whatever and again uh, not knowing any better i basically said okay fine all right you know you looks like you have my good interests at heart um, and you are telling me to do this okay i'll uh, show me where to sign and i will sign it and then i went down that process little bit later on is when i started really trying to figure out you know what is all this what is going on i started reading a lot of books and this was probably around the time i was it was in probably in my early 30s right till then i had no clue and as i went through a lot of this it just seemed like uh there is a lot of noise and there is a lot of advice that people kind of dole out now if you are the kind of person who's going to listen to advice now you want to know that the person giving you the advice knows what they're talking about first and that their advice is not uh in any way um compromised right that it is in your best interest so both of those are very difficult for a person to really figure out unless they know the fundamentals unless they know what kind of questions to ask so in my mind you know yes prescriptive is what a lot of people ask for i mean they want a recipe they said okay here you know add add two parts of water one parts of milk boil and then you got your tea or whatever right so but that uh, is not what uh, you should be doing in personal finance i think uh, uh, if you did that you have to make sure that the person giving you their advice has your best interests at heart and that may or may not always be the case so if you know what kind of questions to ask then you can figure it out for yourself and you can figure out which advice makes sense and which advice does not so that is what i really want people to get to i want to share a very interesting personal anecdote with you here you know because you mentioned that our education system doesn't really have um, you know any learning on personal finance i studied commerce uh, you know for my undergraduate and my specialization was in accounting and finance so we pretty much had a paper on say filing tax return right or what direct taxes are or rebates are or deductions are um and then when i was doing my mba we had a a personal finance workshop which was a non credit workshop uh, that was mandatory for everyone and you know i yet see all of my batchmates whether from my post graduation or my uh, undergraduation constantly struggle with their finances and not really um either they uh, they've sort of palmed it off to their parents or to a ca or to someone else uh a couple barring a couple of people who probably have like extreme domain interest or went on to be you know professionally end up ended up becoming cas or cfas everyone else really struggles and i find that very amusing because to me um uh, and the reason i bring that up is that it is then awareness about personal finance a function of maybe how we grow up culturally and not really academia because i would say that i was taught really well and but again barring a couple of us who are genuinely interested most people have a presumption that oh there's going to be a lot of maths or oh, this is going to be confusing oh i'll have to keep track of so many things and it's the process that intimidates people um instead of coming from as your books byline rightly says right from a first principles thinking that if 
my first principle thinking is that i am earning money to ensure that my dependents have a good life i need a term plan it's as simple as that and then what do i need in order to get that that term plan at the right time ensure that it's accessible to my dependents if i am not there and that's the kind of thinking to me very often mdr that gets missed when people plan their personal finance it, it often becomes that hey that person got that much return so why don't i buy this now as well <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean insurance is i think uh, something that is, is kind of interesting uh, in sort of the way it is sold um i think one of the very important things that people should realize is that insurance especially life insurance i mean there are different types of insurance we're talking about life insurance uh, life insurance is required only with when there is both an income and there are dependents who are dependent on that income so if both of these conditions are not true you don't actually have to buy any life insurance at all so this is something that i think a lot of people do not realize because if you're gone you're gone right and your income is gone with you then it's fine if nobody is dependent on the income what does insurance really mean so both of those have to be true conversely if you don't have any income then obviously there is no need for life insurance because if you're gone you're gone there is no income to replace so i think this is one thing that i think people need to understand uh, but i think this is uh, i mean this is a small aspect i think i mentioned it somewhere in the book but i think the bigger question i think uh, that you are alluding to in terms of education and in terms of awareness um is that we learn a bunch of concepts right we say okay you know this is how we do accounting this is how uh, you know uh, compound interest works uh, this is how taxes are assessed and this is how we pay taxes all of that i think is good background information but you need to kind of take all of that and put that together and say what does that mean for me uh, my lifetime of earning and my lifetime after i stop earning uh the money that i'm going to leave to my heirs if any when I mean, all of that i think we'll have to think about and in that context i think uh, the whole uh, uh, math that is there in the book there is a quite a bit of math in the book in some sense because i have a lot of graphs i want people to look at that i want people to understand that so if somebody is going to be scared of math uh, i think this book might be a little tough for them to follow uh but i think you have to understand this level of math if you want to do anything in personal finance you have to realize that you know time is going to be your friend and consistency is also important and combine time and consistency of investments is what is going to give you that major exponential growth curve which is what is going to beat inflation right so that Uh, aspect of realization it is not very complex but until you think about it and until you actually spend some time considering that you're not going to realize that and that's what i'm trying to get people to do uh, in the book also i think for anybody you know who you know because you've prob- you've probably not aware of the book i have read the book and i can tell you it's 10 standard math it's really not much more than that right so if you are somebody who who's done like 10th grade mathematics uh, and understands basic data visualization and charts the book really really adds you know um value to your reading process by inserting all of that information uh in in 
sporadically with the content that's there um in fact one of the most interesting things to me was this section that you have uh, which is the third section in the book and i'm i'm talking about the third section first uh, ironically instead of going chronologically because the third section is actually called getting started and getting started is where uh, you know mtr covers things like making money things like preparing for surprises things like skill building and that is also an incredibly important part of you know being ready uh, and being aware of you know when you begin to invest uh, and building a corpus or generating incomes or multiple streams of income so where do you think um, uh, and this is not something that you've alluded to in the book mtr but again out of personal curiosity what do you think about us as indians um uh, and our cultural practices that that restrict us from getting started early and and what could we probably do to change that yeah so there are a couple of things uh, one is i think a um, lot of at least my parents generation and i'm sort of in my mid 50s so my parents generation for them it was all about uh, bank fixed deposits right it was like you go put your money in the bank and uh, it's an ultra safe thing you know exactly how much returns you're going to get and uh, that was kind of the thing that uh, they uh, they knew and that's what like for example my father advised me when i was uh, just starting to make money he said oh you need to put money in a bank you need to invest in fixed deposits um and uh, that i think that culture is there uh, a lot the fixed income investments where you exactly know how much returns you're going to get that is something that is very very baked into the indian psyche and also if you look at the whole uh, provident fund uh, retirement savings that we get from the government that is also in this exact same style where they are going to give you a fixed interest which is going to be paid every year so uh, india as a country is very very focused on um, returns that are predictable returns that are known in advance right now um, so if you actually look at the book there are a couple of sections that talk about why does money make money right how what is, why should there be a return on any investment how does it how does somebody actually give you something in return for using your money and so there if you look at it there are different things if you give your money to somebody who's actually going to use it productively and make more money out of it they can then give you a lot more so in that that is the context in terms of is your money being used to generate additional value and that uh, the most simplest thing for that is to invest in equities or stocks so you buy a stock of a company the company has a bunch of people who are working and their objective is to basically make money by uh, innovation by building better products by making things that they are going to sell to others and make a profit and as a shareholder you get a share of whatever the company makes so in that context your money is actually being used to generate economic value and therefore you get a lot more return from that so this um, uh, observation is something that is coming to a lot of indians uh, sort of fairly um, you know uh, recently in the sense that the the growth of the uh, indians investing in the stock market is is not uh, is relatively new 
and i think it was not something that uh, people in their 80s uh, today would would really uh, be very comfortable with uh, they mm-hmm. would not have known it as they were growing up but now i think uh, this is something that is uh, pretty common and this is i think the way to actually uh, generate a much higher returns than inflation typically when you lend money to somebody or put money in keep money in a bank the amount of return that you are going to get is going to be pretty close to what inflation is and once you take taxes out it's actually below inflation so even though you may be investing your money for the long term net net you are actually losing to inflation so this is i think one aspect that a lot of people in india don't know about i mean i've not comfortable with so that is something i think that needs to change the other thing is i mean the getting started uh, section actually i have a note there saying look you know i've given you some advice here but treat even the advice that i give you with the same dose of skepticism that you would from somebody else because i want anybody who reads the book to say okay why is this guy saying this does this make sense right does he have an axe to grind so ask those questions even of what i am telling you in that section please you know i had one professor who used to tell me uh, that because there is massive the reason uh, uh, you know there is massive massive information asymmetry in the financial markets right everyone knows more than the retail investor right if the bank knows more the amc knows more the regulators know more and all economic agents know more uh, which is why the role of the central government or or any other entity becomes to protect the consumer but a, but at the end of the day right a lot of these decisions boil down to how we manage our money and safeguard and, and you know diversify and stay alert uh because because so many of these things that affect us are going to be cyclical or are going to be exponential whether it's inflation whether it's uh market crashes and and other aspects uh, and you've touched on a lot of aspects of say volatility right or you've put faqs in your book um and and that is also extremely important including uh, uh non traditional forms of maybe value appreciation like art which which when people often talk about they, they won't really dedicate chunks to gold and land and art because when mutual fund companies do awareness they just pit a uh, financial awareness hey this is a fd versus this is a mutual fund and this is how this is better than that but again all of these as as you rightly said there should be healthy and skepticism and a critical eye for any investor who's looking uh, you know to essentially manage their personal finances yeah so um okay so there are two things one is the information asymmetry and the volatility in the short term right so that uh, see the the the, the uh, really beautiful thing uh, to note in a lot of these things is uh, the volatility is superimposed on an exponential curve right if there is fundamentally if there is value being created by your investments that is on an exponential curve as you know over n so if you really look at that the volatility is superimposed on the exponential curve now if you have sufficiently large n which is number of years 
so i am talking about say 30 years 50 years 80 years 90 years whatever the exponential curve is going to diverge so much from inflation that all the volatility is basically irrelevant the information asymmetry that creates that volatility is completely irrelevant right it's fine let there be information asymmetry let there be volatility let there be people who game the market and who you know basically you know get like 3 or 5% uh, by uh, by doing some kind of uh, uh, insider information trade or whatever it is i don't really care but fundamentally if the uh, if the value creation is better than inflation and if i'm just going to sit tight for 30 years 50 years 80 years whatever then that exponential curve is going to diverge so much from inflation that all of this is noise right so there is a section in the book later on where i have a bunch of uh, pictures about uh, alternative perspectives on the riskometer right which says and basically all of these pictures are in color oh by the way so there are some people who bought the book somehow they got Uh, books that were in black and white i mean that should not be the case the interior of the book is in color there are a lot of graphs that are in color and pictures that are in color so if anybody who's listening to the podcast got a copy with all black and white graphs please uh, 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 reach out to the seller and have them replace the book for you uh, anyway so coming back to that so what i was saying is um, that if you have long enough time and you're consistent then your riskometer completely looks inverted which is the volatility that you are going to experience in the near term is actually good for you in the sense that you are now putting your money to work so it's actually much better to have money in these volatile uh, in uh, um, value generating investments because over the long term the real risk is that you are going to get to a point where you don't have money to spend you need money and you don't have money to spend right that is the real risk the volatility itself is not the risk it is when you want the money you should have the money to spend so if you are really thinking long term if you are thinking 30 years plus 50 years plus the volatility of the initial investments is actually good so the riskometer for somebody who is you know in their early earning years is actually inverted the more volatile things are actually green for them right so that's an alternative perspective so you know somebody is looking at it just take a look at that super md you also touched on the fact that esops right i mean you um, you spoke about it in terms of your personal journey also um, mm-hmm. esops are also now becoming increasingly common with so many startups and and organizations offering into younger people right and it forms a significant part of uh, you know salary and and these fancy placement news headlines that we see in newspapers especially for top institutions in this country right um mm-hmm. what is it that young people especially because you know the genesis of the book really also came from your own observations with your sons what do you think for young people today right who are starting to earn what should be their financial priorities uh, what should be how they perceive things like esops right because should you get get swayed by esops should you work on skill building should you work on increasing your income um, what is important what is not important a lot of uh, the to me i think the interesting thing about or personal finance is of course that it's personal so there's no one right answer to this uh, but 
it it also shapes our life right how we make these decisions uh and and take a call on these matters right so maybe prioritizing too much for money too early in your career could actually be a counter move in terms of skill development or growth opportunities uh, how would you especially given that you have two young children uh, navigate this this space for somebody who's listening to this podcast and is young and at that stage of their life yeah i mean this kind of brings this whole uh, this three years movie sort of to mind right the thing is uh, what you want to focus on is what you really enjoy doing right if you uh, if you enjoy doing something and you get really good at it and uh, then you know you will be able to uh, the journey is a lot easier and money will come right so it's uh, i think that is very important so i think uh, money uh, has to be a side effect of enjoying what you're doing so if if you are working on something where you really like what you're doing you are eager to learn you are eager to improve right and so then what happens is naturally your skills will get better and better you will become more and more productive and uh, money will come right so for somebody who is just starting off in their career i would say you know don't worry about money as much initially worry about you know am i doing something that i really enjoy and is this something that i would like to keep doing for a long time uh is this something where i will actually get better uh, uh, you know with every passing year so that is something that i think uh, people need to think about initially so just starting into their career somebody somebody who's in their you know early 20s mid 20s uh, late 20s whatever you know just think about that and if you are really doing something that you enjoy and what you are doing is also creating value for society you will get compensated and your compensation will uh, grow pretty fast so uh, so don't worry so much about that the money will come if you are doing well if you are enjoying if you are picking up skills so and but as the money comes be aware of what you are doing with it right be aware of what you are doing with it put the money to work don't sort of you know splurge don't uh, spend too extravagantly um and put the money to work the money will come and you manage the money um in a in a smart way and things will sort of all you know play out the thing about esops and uh, company shares and things like that uh, the risk is that uh, a lot of the money may end up uh, your entire investment portfolio may end up being very very lopsided Uh, a lot of money may be invested in a single company stock and that is a problem a, from a diversification perspective so uh, so you need to make sure that you look at your overall investment portfolio and see is a lot of my money in one single company stock then what would happen if that company kind of goes down for whatever reason so you need to uh, look at that and sort of gradually diversify so that you are not you don't have all your eggs in the basket uh, of the company that you're working for because your job is tied to it if all your money is also tied to it then that's a problem so one a personal anecdote i have actually seen so i used to work for ibm in the upstate new york area uh, in the uh, early 90s so a lot of the people there especially who are people you know who are in their late 50s they had a lot of money in ibm stock and uh, ibm went through a bad time they lost their jobs and the ibm stock also crashed so it was kind of a real a big uh, blow to them 
where not only did they lose their job, but also a lot of their investment portfolio vanished because it was very, very skewed in favor of a single company. Right? So this is something that we should prevent, we should protect against. And that may not be that much of a concern for somebody who is sort of in their 20s. But, you know, if they continue to work for the same company and they accumulate a lot of ESOPs in the company or company shares and they are now in their like mid 40s or whatever. And at that point, they should basically say, hey, too much of my money is in one company stock. Even though this is a wonderful company I'm working for and it's doing really well, maybe I should not have all of my money in this company stock. I mean, I had a lot of shares from Google. And I used to periodically diversify out. I used to move the shares, my Google shares out into other company stock because I was, even though Google was doing really well, uh, that particular level of risk was something I was not comfortable with. Great. So I think that's another very important point, you know, in terms of diversification. Uh, a completely non-financial question, but MDR, why did you decide to write a book as opposed to, say, doing the primer in the form of social media content or YouTube videos? Uh, is, is this... Uh, I'm just very curious because a lot of, um, uh, you know, Indian audiences, just given the nature of uh, media consumption, is very, very video friendly in India. Uh, so, and fewer people read and even fewer people read in English and, and so on and so forth, right? Uh, so, why, why a book? Is that something that it was led by your own choice how did the format get fixed that it should be a book number one and second if it is to be a book um how did you sort of decide that okay you want to also cover basics you want to have faqs you want to have mathematical uh, 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 context that you want to give and not just anecdotal data yeah, so, okay, so this is, I think, see, ultimately, if you want people to learn the basics, uh, they need to invest the time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the YouTube content, I think, is consumed in short bits and pieces, you know, three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes tops. Uh, I think in, in some sense, you know, that is good for uh, little recipes and advice, which is exactly what I don't want my audience to, to look for. My, I want my audience to avoid that thing. So in some sense, you know, uh, I want my audience to sit down and basically put their mind to work. I want them to learn some basics and I want them to ask questions. So to me, the whole YouTube format uh, is not something that uh, seems to be uh conducive for this and i mean tiktok is even worse right i mean it's like 30 seconds or whatever or youtube shorts or insta shorts or whatever i think all of that is extremely short form content which uh, is not something that is going to uh, get the audience to do what i really want them to do now that being said you are right that a lot of the people uh, in my intended audience are not going to sit and read the book i myself have probably given out about uh, maybe about 100 copies to a lot of people in that age group whoever i see i bought a whole bunch of uh, i have like a big stack of books at home and whenever i run across somebody who's kind of in the age group i said okay here take this book why don't you spend some time reading it and i have given this book out to a lot of people and to be 
honest, I think uh, not that many people have actually come back to me and said, hey, I actually finished reading the book. Uh, few of them have. And those who have, have basically been very happy. They said, yeah, you know, this was well worth it. You know, it's not, it's not a very big book. So it probably, if somebody is reading relatively fast, I think they should be able to finish it uh, in a day or maybe over a weekend. Um, and I think people who have done that have actually been uh, quite uh, positive in terms of what they said they learned from it. But yeah, that is the format. That is the format. I mean, it, because if you want people to sit and think, I think uh, I think this is probably the format. People have asked me for an ebook. Uh, I want to make one, but I think I have not had the time to do it. I uh, I also think, uh, and this is completely my uh, own uh, uh, recommendation. And uh, if you would ever like to do up a follow-up book, I think a follow-up book around the same arena could be on the behavioral aspects of why people, um, uh, you know, make counterintuitive decisions such as not reading things that will help them in the long run but all jokes apart uh, uh, the last question that i have for you is uh, what uh, what are some of the sources that you think are good credible deep sources for young people uh, you know once they sort of get exposed to the podcast or any other of your interviews or the book uh, what are the sources that they should continue to keep themselves updated with? Yeah, so um, so one thing which I will say, you know, um, I, there is a lot of really good content on YouTube, notwithstanding what I said uh, about, uh, you know, the prescriptive advice and stuff like that. There is a lot of content. Um, just check the sources, check to see if something is a paid promotion, right? So that is one thing. The other thing is, I think uh, uh, a lot of the, um, um, you, you honestly do not need to spend a lot of time managing money. If you, if you get your basics right, there, it's, it's actually not something that uh, occupies a lot of brain time at all. Right. Uh, maybe, you know, you check things, you know, once a month, maybe, or maybe uh, once in six months, once in three months, something like that. Uh, get things set up and let it go. It's this, this is not something where you really need to spend a lot of time on. Spend the time on what you like. Spend the time on building your skills in your primary occupation and, you know, doing well in that. Money management should just be something that's happening on the side without too much um, uh, too much brain time being invested in it. So I think um, I would say, you know, keep looking out for uh, different books that are there that are coming out by various well-known authors. Um, I think it's it's well worth your time to sit and uh, read uh, uh, read books in long form. Um, rather than you know just watching things on a small screen or on a big screen, uh, I mean a lot of these things are the things that you see on screen are designed to grab your attention and keep it, right? Whereas when you read a book, you are voluntarily giving your attention to whatever you are reading, and you can close the book at any time and put it away and walk away. So the book is not something that is designed to suck you in and make you click next, 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 and, you know, sit there for hours going through, which is exactly what videos, YouTube videos or Facebook or Instagram, all of these are, they are after your attention. 
and uh, they will try and give you things clickbaity things that will make you keep going down that path but uh, if you really want to learn i think you have to make the effort and i would say you know pick up a pick up a good book read through it maybe fall asleep reading it that's fine right but <laughs> right i mean that is i think that is how you will learn maybe pick up a few newspapers read the news article see what's going on but money management should really not take up a lot of time awesome and on that very very important note of you know you managing your money and your money not managing you i think it's time to uh, you know call a wrap and an end to this very informative educational uh, but also extremely approachable way mtr that you explain things to everyone listening to the podcast mtr's book is available on amazon flipkart and on notion press please grab a copy uh, if you're young specially grab a copy copy and if you are somebody who's probably already matured invested grab a copy for you know young people in your family or early career professionals at your workplace you will be doing something that will be really really beneficial to somebody else in the long run once again mdr thank you so much for your time uh, time just flew by it was wonderful to have you and and share your hard work that you've compiled you know Uh, as a primer for for people thank you very much aishi i uh, really enjoyed the conversation thanks for the opportunity to be on the podcast uh, it was wonderful chatting thank you very much again did you like this episode don't forget to follow us on twitter and on instagram where we are available as india book podcast also if you would like to recommend changes that we should make to the show or some author that we should definitely have feel free to leave us feedback recommendations etc on indiabookpodcast@gmail.com if you love listening to the show do not forget to subscribe to us on apple podcast google podcast spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcast fixed from mm-hmm.